we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Oh, yeah. Back again here on the Hang Time Podcast. Seku Smith here at headquarters in Atlanta. Greg Anthony and John Schumann will join us a little later in the show. GA's in Denver to call Clippers versus Nuggets on TNT Tuesday night. Schumann is en route back from the Sloan Conference where nerd boys unite. So we'll uh, get his takeaway from that. But before we get with them, let's dig into the East standings and discuss the Celtics and a little bit of everything else, Eastern Conference with Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe, NBA writer extraordinaire. G. Wash, how you doing, man? Say, cool. How you doing, man? I'm real good. I'm good. I'm trying to decompress from the uh, adventure that is always All-Star Weekend and kind of get my brain back on track for the stretch run of the season. Gary, Boston had a fantastic first half and then kind of gave up that lead in the standings at the very end of Toronto. I feel like they're back into the mode that they were in earlier in the season, playing well, Kyrie looking good. What's what's your take on where the Celtics are right now based on not just the recent part of the season but the entire season? I feel like they're they're confident right now and they're trying to get like that swagger back. I mean, they had it the first two and a half months of the season, almost three months until that trip to London, and then they got back from London and suddenly they lost all their mojo. And I think that they've been trying to search for that to regain that prowess, and it didn't work for a couple of weeks. And I just, and I think they thought maybe the trade deadline they land a big play. They end up landing Greg Monroe, who hasn't helped all that much so far. They're still trying to implement him into the system. But I just think they kind of looked within themselves and said, we can play better and we can do better. And getting Marcus Smart back from that strange hand injury where he punched the picture frame has helped. And I just think rest has helped. And I think that they have an overall kind of new vigor in terms of playing games better early. I mean, this is a team that was falling behind by double digits and, and always having to rally in the, in the last three games that hasn't happened. They've been able to, you know, weather early storms and play better earlier in games and make things easier on themselves. So they feel good about their position. Obviously their t- schedule's tough. They got two more with Toronto, two more with Washington. You know, they'd like to get that number one seed because I don't care who you are, Sekou, you don't want to play Cleveland in the second round no. if, if Cleveland ends up getting that third seed um, unless they make a pretty dramatic run in the last 20 games. So they would like to get that number one seed. They're you know half game back at Toronto. So they're feeling good about themselves, but they definitely have to play even better than they have the last couple of games. Yeah. Gee, you wrote this fantastic story about Kyrie's 
you know, three-point shooting and how important it is become to his game. I wonder your view of Kyrie now, seeing him and dealing with him on an everyday basis as opposed to in years past when we would see him in the playoffs or in the finals and you only watch him for that short period of time. How different is he and how different is his game seeing it on a nightly basis compared to what you thought before? On a nightly basis, you just marvel at his at his skill set. I mean, just his ability to to use the glass. Mm-hmm. I mean, his workout regimen before the game, you know, taking each hand and shooting the ball off the glass from like eight to, to six to eight feet just repeatedly. And so all those floaters and, and he just knows how to shoot. He knows, I don't want to get too technical, but just kind of like he knows exactly how much to re- how to release the ball, how hard or how soft to release the ball, depending on you know how far he is from the basket and, and who's defending him and how high to put the ball up. I mean, those little things are just like the the little idiosyncrasies of, of the game. Yeah. You know where you don't shoot every shot the same way. Sometimes he shoots it high. Sometimes he shoots a line drive. Sometimes he shoots the angles off the glass. Like his whole geometry thing <laughs> is just amazing. Just yeah. how much he uses the glass and uses the certain angles to to get the ball in the basket. I mean, that is what is kind of, I mean, just, you know, guys work in their game. They work in the summer. Every, you know, you've been around, say, yeah. cool. Everybody takes a thousand shots a day in the summer. Everybody does that apparently, but you see how much he's worked in his game, the skills. I mean, you just marvel at that. I mean, personality-wise, he's a nice guy. He does everything that he's asked to do. Uh, he's not—he's a different kind of player in terms of his personality. He's not a real overt guy. He's not going—you know—he wasn't throwing any parties at All-Star Weekend. <laughs> he, he just isn't that type of guy. Right. You didn't see him out much, but when it comes to to hoop. I mean, he's he's a master. Yeah, he's a, he's definitely a savant of the game, and I. It's been interesting to watch from him early in his career in Cleveland. He had all that talent, but you didn't know if he was a winner. You didn't know if he was a guy when put in a winning situation would he be able to make plays and be a closer. And to me, he's answered all those questions in Cleveland, and now it's a question of can he do it in Boston and on a on a Boston team where he is the clear-cut number one guy. And I, I'm not disrespecting Al Horford or anybody else, but when you come in to the Garden or when you see them on the road, Kyrie is the main attraction for the Celtics. What's, gee, what's the biggest issue for this, this Boston team as you focus in on the playoffs and what they need to tweak, what they need to massage a little bit going into the postseason? Uh, they have to, one, be better scoring the basketball. They have to score. And it can't just be Kyrie, okay? Um, and, and as I wrote, like, his three-point shooting definitely opens up the offense, okay? So if he takes more threes, that will be good for the team. But they also have to get something from Jalen Brown. They've got to have uh, Jason Tatum snap out of his kind of rookie slump. Um, they've got to get more out of Al Horford. Al Horford's averaged seven points in the last three games. I mean, they, Al's got to take more shots. They all have to take more of a kind of a ownership offensively on this team because they're going to stop teams. I mean, they're, going to, they're a good defensive team when they want to be. It's just scoring. And you know the playoffs. I mean, you play against Golden State. I mean, Golden State ran up 130 a game on Cleveland last year in the finals, and that was a good defense. Right. So, you know, you, you, if you're playing – 
Cleveland or Toronto or anybody in the playoffs, you're not going to hold them to 96 points. It just isn't going to happen. You're going to have to score with them. And the Celtics have to get better at scoring the ball consistently. They've got to get more out of Terry Rozier. They've got to get more out of Marcus Smart. Um, It's just a collective thing. Defensively, I think they'll be fine, although they have trouble with center big – Burley centers, the, the, the DeAndre Jordan types who just went for a career-high 30 a couple weeks ago. They have trouble with those guys. But if they defend as a team and they score well, I mean, they're, they can reach the Eastern Conference Finals and see what happens in a series maybe against the Cavaliers or Raptors. Yeah. Well, gee, we, we're going to break down these teams in the tiers in the East. You know, the Celtics and Raptors obviously being separated by a half game uh, and that Tier 1 group. That Tier 2 group, and I think they're all separated by two and a half games, Cleveland, Washington, Indiana, Milwaukee, and Philly. And then that third tier, fighting it out for that eighth seed, separated by three games, the Miami, you know, Detroit, and Charlotte. When you look at those teams they would potentially have to face in the playoffs, and we're, and I think we're kind of jumping the shark, obviously, assuming that they would make it through a first-round series, but who is the team that's the, the biggest threat to what the Celtics have and what they do in the postseason in terms of those tier two teams they face between Cleveland, Washington, Indiana, Milwaukee, and Philly maybe. Which team do you think is the the worst matchup for Boston? I mean, they always have tough tough games in Washington. I, I don't if, – if if you look at the East now, say, cool, if you win the East, essentially you're probably going to get the Wizards. Unless the Wizards take, take overtake the Cavaliers, which could happen, you never know when they get John Wall back. You're going to get the Wizards in the second round. Yeah. And as you know, say, we, 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 we've been talking about the Wizards for, for three, four years now. You don't know what team you're going to get. <laughs> you know, are you getting the team that got blown out at home to Charlotte the other night? Or are you getting a team that just the night before won easily at Cleveland? Like, you just, you know, or beat up, beat up on Philadelphia on right. Sunday. Like, you just don't know what Wizards team you're going to get. In a physical seven-game series with a team like that, and the Celtics went through that last year, the Celtics don't want any part of that. I mean, they're gonna, they'd are gonna they have to. They'd, they'd go through it. They'd play their best and all that. But, man, you don't – I mean, Washington's a team I don't think they'd want to see. They've had some success in the past against Milwaukee. Um, they've lost twice this year to Miami. But if you're looking at a team in the second round – it's Washington, and it looks like that's probably going to happen. Unless yeah. you want to play Cleveland, the Celtics don't want to play Cleveland the second <laughs> round. If it's probably Cleveland or Washington, they choose Washington. But Washington gives them problems, especially the speed of John Wall. And when Wall and Beal have it going, and then you throw in a little bit of uh, Otto Porter, I mean, it's it's a tough matchup for them. You know what the you know what the weird thing too for me is, Gary. I look at matchups across you know the conferences and I keep saying to myself of all the teams that I I would love to see in the finals against Golden State based on the number of guys they have who can run you off the three-point line defensively who can play small Boston to me would be the most intriguing finals matchup if it was the Warriors I'm just not sure they can get there I'm not sure they can get through to the finals and that's me looking at it from afar and I'm I, you know, I don't want to sell Boston short, but they did, like you said, they didn't make the splashy move at the deadline to me that put them over the top in the East. I still worry, like, you know, looking at it and going, man, if they could just get past Cleveland or just get past Washington, just get past Toronto, 
I'd love to see them in the finals. I don't know if I believe they've got it in them. Yeah, it's a, I mean, they struggle. They've struggled with Toronto in the past. I mean, Toronto beat them by 20 earlier this month pretty easily. They have no answer for Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry punishes them every time they play. Um, and so you see what you only with Toronto, you wonder how they react in the playoffs. Obviously, they've been knocked out by Cleveland the last couple of years. They really haven't uh, fought Cleveland hard. Um, last year they got swept. So you're thinking with Toronto, what kind of Toronto team would be in the playoffs? But they've struggled with the Raptors. We all know their history with Cleveland. So, and then, you know, then you throw in Washington. So they're going to have to beat two of those teams probably to get to the finals. And I don't know if they're capable of that. Honestly, even with Kyrie, with a healthy Marcus Smart, with I mean, they're going to have to play elite defense and they're going to have to score. They're going to have to be a team that they were in November when they won 16 in a row. But that 16 game winning streak, they came back from a lot of deficits. Yeah. But they're going to have to be a team that plays elite defense and then also scores because you know they're not going to. This isn't the 90s. You know this is the Knicks Heat of the 90s. It's not going to be 87 to 86. It's right. going to be <laughs> right. 110, 105, 112. Like teams are going to score 105 points on them. The question is, can you score more than that? Right. I guess my last question to you, Gary. Uh, Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe, joined us here on the Hang Time Podcast, and I'm sure this is the question that you know Danny Ainge doesn't want anybody asking or answering. That that firepower that that would be missing right now, if they were to get to the finals, is there a possibility even that they would entertain deep in the playoffs bringing Gordon Hayward back if he was capable, or or, or is that ship sailed? Are we done with that? I think say cool. I think the Celtics are looking at Gordon and say, listen, don't do this whole Rocky thing to try to come back this yeah. year. Don't yeah. don't kill yourself. Okay, yeah. get ready for next year. However. Come back to us, or we'll reach out to you in late March, and we'll see how you're doing. How you doing? You know, give you a month, another month. See if you're ready for the five on five. See you're ready for contact, and then we'll we'll think about what happens then. I just think the the team is is told. Oh, he's not coming back. He's not coming back. And you see Hayward, I saw him last night walking normally. <laughs> you know, he's going through his workouts. He's not walking with any gimp. Now, who knows the mental aspect of getting over an injury like that? What happens when he goes up for his first alley-oop with, with somebody contesting him? All of the above. He's got to get through a lot of that. But I, I think they're looking to him and saying, go through your rehab process. Go through all that. Late March, early April, come back to us. Then we'll make a determination. Until then, the Celtics aren't going to say a word. Right. Yeah, I just – Again, it's it's lurking out there. You know, we, obviously people have been talking about it. Social media, you, you know, you, people speculate. I'm just thinking, man, if they get all the way, at least back to where they finished last season, you got to think they have to at least poke around to see if that, you know. I mean, that yeah, you talk exactly. about a game changer. That would that would change everything, having another guy that you could inject into the rotation like that. So, um, G-Watch, I appreciate it, man. I know you, you're busy and hustling. Um, you know, fantastic stuff as always in the globe. A must read your Sunday stuff as always. And um, appreciate you, man, taking the time and helping us out here on the podcast. Say cool. Appreciate it. Anytime. All right, Gary. Thanks, man. Okay. From Boston to Denver, let's see what's happening in the mountains out there a mile high. 
where the standings are equally thick in the Western Conference. And our main man, Greg Anthony, is in the building tonight to uh, to call a game for players only. GA, what's going on out there, man? Seku is good. It's just not too cold right now. Uh, <laughs> and it should be pretty lively and warm inside the arena tonight. It's both, obviously, the Clippers and River battling along with everybody else. I and mean, you look at that. Western Conference, I know you guys touched upon the East, but it's every bit as close once you get outside the top two. I mean, right. Minnesota's a three, the three seed, but they basically, from the nine seed, have a four-game lead. Right. Obviously, not having Jimmy Butler, that's going to make that a little more interesting. San Antonio, does Kawhi come back? He's right there in the mix. New Orleans playing, along with Houston, the best basketball in the conference, having won six in a row. Uh, so it, it, crazy, it's yeah. really going to be wide open here as we get ready to make this this push towards the home stretch. Yeah, I mean, well, the math says, you know, obviously there's only six spots. You got these eight teams all swinging, you know, separated by five and a half games. In that second tier of, of teams you mentioned behind the, the Rockets and Warriors, who's the team to you between the Wolves, the Spurs, the Pelicans, Blazers, Thunder, Nuggets, Clippers, who is the one team of that group that you think has the best chance to make noise in the postseason that has a chance to go the deepest in the postseason? You know, I, I would still lean towards uh, San Antonio with a qualifier, mm-hmm. meaning that they get Kawhi Leonard back. Right. Um, I, I think that's, you know, that that's a huge asterisk to have beside them. I mean, you're a four, basically, four seed and fighting for that three slot, only a half game behind Minnesota without him. Um, with him, you know, everything completely changes. So that's the one team that I look at and I, I, I sense that, you know, they might be the, the most challenging to either Houston or Golden State. I mean, you know, Oklahoma City is still a sexy choice, but they haven't shown anything consistently that would want you to believe that they could actually do it. Yeah. You know, the, the, those are probably two. Minnesota, obviously, not going to have Jimmy Butler. Uh, for an extended period of time. They've been playing some good basketball this year. But I, I, I just I think the more compelling story is just who are gonna be who's gonna be in and of all those teams outside of the top two and, and arguably San Antonio, they're all gonna find this season to be a success if they're somehow able to win a first round matchup. Yeah. The Nuggets GA have have been outside of the playoff mix looking in since the twenty 12-13 season. They're a game out of of that nine seed, three games out of the number three seed. So it's crazy, you know, how thin a line it is between who's in and who's out right now. Mm-hmm. Do they – I've sit, gone on record as saying I think they're the one team with the depth talent they have in getting Paul Millsap back that if they were to get into a postseason scenario, they, they could wreak havoc on somebody in a best of seven. Do you think – that they're capable, provided they get in, of being a team that stretches out one of those higher seeds in the first-round series? If they can flip the switch defensively, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that really, to me, is the big issue with them as a group. They they are, when you look at the playoff teams, uh, they're arguably, or in the conversation, to be the worst defensively. And right. I just don't know a scenario uh, where you can be as bad as, they are right now from a defensive standpoint. I mean, they're dead last in opponent field goal percentage. They're giving up over 107 points a game. Teams shoot 37% from three against them. 
You know, the, the, they just have a lot of areas where they have to get infinitely better. Now, to your point, Paul Millsap could change a lot of that uh, just because he is so good defensively and so versatile, not to mention what he can be offensively. But having missed as much time, how long does it take for him to get into a rhythm? And how much do they have to adjust to him being out there? Because in essence, you know, it's almost like he hadn't played this year. Right. So, so, so it, it, it's a it's a lot to ask. A little different situation in San Antonio, right? Because Kawhi Leonard's always been there. Yeah, he's still the new kid on the block there. Um, so Denver offensively is as talented as anybody you could argue in the league. Um, but I just, you know, haven't seen them if, if defensively if they can't make take that next step, it's going to be a challenge for them. Uh, to not just, you know, extend somebody, but to, to make it. Because remember, they're also going to have a tough stretch. Their last 22 games, they got 13 of those on the road. And they're only 9-19 and 19 on the road this season. Right. So it, it's going to be a challenge, especially with the Clippers tonight, only a game behind them uh, and tied in the loss column. Uh, they got a much more favorable schedule. And they're a much better road team. You know, they, they're 500 on the road, which yeah. is – saying a lot when you start talking about potential playoff teams. So the Denver's got their work cut out for them. I do love their young talent, but it's they're going to have to buy in wholly on that side of the ball. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you talk about an ambitious group. You know, Mike Malone is, like everybody else, is, is pounding the desk about Nikola Jokic being in the uh, MVP com- conversation. So, they, you know, they haven't even secured a playoff spot. You got to hype this guy. Though. I know. I, I ain't mad at it. They, they're looking down the road and like, um, my thing is get a playoff spot first, then worry about all that other stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, and I just think, you know, it's it's weird seeing the West that has been so deep for so long and then now I'm looking at the the shape of the Western Conference all the way down, you know, through eight and looking at the shape of the East. I'm not sure that the East isn't just as deep to me for the first time in a long time um, compared to their Western Conference counterparts. So. I'm with you. Yeah. I think it very much is. Yeah. Um, but we know what we think, G.A., Let's let's see what John Schumann thinks, you know, and Lord knows he's been at the Sloan Analytics Conference, so he's probably as smart as he's ever been hanging out with all those other super smart analytics cats. So I'm sure his trivia this week will be out of this world. Uh, Shu, how you doing? Did you make it back in one piece? I know you played a little ball Sunday. Uh, are you injury-free from Sloan, or did you come back with a bandage? I'm injury-free. I'm not illness-free. <laughs> what, wait, I'm a little bit un- under the weather. Wait, wait but, uh, what, what you catch there? <laughs> what what uh, kind of flu did you yeah. catch up there? You don't want to know. I was at, I was at the Celtics Grizzlies really game. We really don't. Shoot. We really don't. We, I was at the Celtics Grizzlies game, and I had to leave at halftime last night because uh, I was feeling about as good as 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 well as the uh, Grizzlies were playing. Oh <laughs> uh, man, sorry to hear that. Um, what's your uh, what's your Sloan influenced trivia for us this week, Shu? I gotta say, this is not very advanced. What? It's fairly simple in concept and not exactly uh, – uh, we're not exactly going into deep uh, analytics, advanced Come on, analytics man. You've here. been hanging with that crowd and you – Obama was there, sir, and you got nothing for us? <laughs> All right, so here's the here's the question. There are two rookies this year averaging 30 minutes a game for teams that are in playoff position. I assume you can you, – you should be able to name those two guys. Uh, right. Mitchell and Simmons. 
Simmons, yes. Not Mitchell? No, Jazz aren't in playoff. Oh, you're talking about Jason Tatum then? Tatum, yeah. yeah. Okay. So Tatum and Simmons are uh, averaging 30 minutes per game. You actually have to go back seven years before you get another rookie that has averaged that averaged 30 minutes per game for a playoff team. That was Landry Fields, who we had, I think, as an answer to one of our trivia yes. questions earlier. Yes. Um, but the question is, who is the last rookie to average 30 minutes per game for a top four seed in the playoffs? So 30 minutes in the regular season for a team that was the top four seed. Last rookie to average 30 minutes. Mm. Mm. That is a I thought it was interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Because Jason Tatum's on pace, to, obviously on pace to do that. Right. He's averaging 30.7 for the Celtics, who are the two seed in the East as we speak. Which almost guarantees that it has to be a guy who was a rookie starter then. To play those kind of minutes, right? You wouldn't. Yeah, I, yeah. Would I go all the way back to Tim Duncan? No, and and no, it's before the. It's it's more recent than that. And actually, Tim Duncan, when the, in Duncan's rookie season, they were a five seed. Mm. Mm. Okay. This is uh, the only. There's only two guys in the last 25 years that have been to average 30 minutes per game as a rookie for a top four seed. Wow. One guy in ninety three, ninety four was Penny Hardaway mm-hmm. for the Magic. They right. were four seed. And the other guys. This guy answer. was a rookie in two thousand three oh four for a top. Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony. Nope, they were like oh. an eight seed, I believe. That's right. Okay, the mm-hmm. Nuggets were eight seed. Man, that's a tough. That's one. a tough. Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade. That's right. Nah, they got a be- four seed. Yeah, they played Charlotte. They played Charlotte in the first round. He hit the game. He hit, yes, I was he hit there. The game winner. In one I was game? there. Yep. Okay. He was playing point guard back then. That's I actually covered that series. Yes, yeah, four or five seed. I yeah. think to go back on to a rookie that averaged thirty for a top two seed like Tatum is doing, you'd have to go all the way back to David Robinson, nineteen ninety. Wow. wow. You know, D Wade. I, I always forget too. Ga D Wade was such a different player then. He was. I remember that was they were experimenting with him as a point guard um, in that playoffs, yeah. and that was a Miami team that had been to the playoffs. Um, I covered them when they played Indiana, uh, you know, in that at that stage of you know in that era of Heat basketball when they had Eddie Jones and they had a you know a different crew, and it was like that mm-hmm. trying D Wade at point guard was was such a novel thing back then. You know, it was like, wow, they're really going to try Wade at, at the point. And he was great. I mean, he was really good in that series um, against New Orleans, right, Shu? New Orleans, right. Yeah, it was, it was New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans, um, yeah. You know, and, and that was a different era for, for New, you know, the New Orleans team as well back then. But, man, that seems so long ago now, Shu, when you mentioned he's, it. He's back playing point guard now. He's basically <laughs> their backup point guard in, in Miami now. Yeah, well. Because uh, you can't – you got – you can't – there, there's, there's – right now there's such a weird – roster yeah they have a bunch of guys who could do a lot of things but only a couple guys who can shoot and so like when wade's out there he's got to be paired with ellington you know somebody who can space the floor for him you know i think he, he could be he, he can you know be a decent pick and roll guy and with uh you know guys like Adebayo rolling to the rim and ellington on the space in the floor but yeah um i don't think it's a great fit uh, right now, and Miami's got some work to do to stay on, hold on to that eight seed. Right. Let me ask you guys a question since we bring up New Orleans. Anthony Davis 
you know, just going on a monster run here these last six games for the Pelicans. Um, people have been asking, you know, like, you know, why isn't he hiring the MVP conversation? This any other? Does does he have enough time in your eyes, GA and Shu? Uh, if he keeps cranking like this, obviously, I don't expect him to average forty one and a half games down the stretch. You know, his last six weeks of the season or whatever, but. If he if he continues to bang the drum here over the next month or so, does he have a chance in your eyes to get back into the that tight conversation about MVP with Harden, LeBron, KD, Russ, you know Steph, and all those guys? Like, is he is he capable of climbing into that race? I think he can get in the top five. I, I, mm-hmm. Honestly, I think the MVP has already been decided. <laughs> I really do. I, I really think that James Harden's already won the MVP. You know, barring injury, and and even then, it, it, it might be hard for him not to get it. And right, it, it, and it's not that. I'm listening. Anthony Davis is having a, an all time season. Yeah, I mean, guys, twenty eight, eleven, two and a half assists, two blocks, almost a steal and a half. I mean, he's having an incredible season. And they made. Remember, it wasn't that long ago that they didn't. We didn't know if they'd make the playoffs. They just lost Cousins. All of a sudden now, they're, they're threatening the four spot. You know, they're a game and a half behind San Antonio. Yeah. So um, I, I think he'll get some consideration. But I just, a lot of times, this, this stuff, man, it's kind of hard because we discuss MVP. I mean, we're talking MVP before the season starts. <laughs> Who are you telling? You know, and in a month, <laughs> you know, this guy's been the MVP this month. Like, I just think because of the way we approach that now, we give so much weight to it that, in, in, a, in a weird way, I just can't see a plausible scenario where James Harden doesn't win the MVP this year because he's been so close in the past, and they're so good this year. Yeah. And you think about Chris Paul and what he's done, and Harden's numbers have not dampened. You know, they haven't gone down at all. Yeah. Shu, you you think uh, you think it's out of the question that he at least gets back into the conversation, like in that uh, top no, five I conversation? Mean, he, he's in the conversation, and he could be a top five finisher, right? For sure. I mean, especially if they finish like fourth in the West. Right. I mean, right now they're tied with Minnesota in the loss column. So, um, you know, I don't necessarily believe they're going to continue to play that well. Mm-hmm. But also, even if they do, like the Rockets are going to be 10, 12 games ahead of them in the standings. You right, know, like right. even if one's even if they're a three or four seed, you know, the Rockets are still going to be end up being 10, 12 games better. Um, I guess that didn't count last year, but um and plus, the, you know, the, you, I just look at I, personally. I look at how teams win, and obviously, Anthony Davis is a huge part of what New Orleans does. But mm-hmm. Houston and Golden State are having are putting up historical numbers in terms of offense, and James Harden is just the obviously the biggest generator of of, of Houston's offense as he was last year, which is yeah. why I voted for him last year. Got you. Um, Shu, did you secure me an invitation for uh, Sloan next year? Ga, I'm trying to get him to to get us in. Behind the velvet rope at Sloan next year, and I don't know if it's worth. I, I, I'm they not won't let me enough. behind the velvet. <laughs> rope. I'm not going to even pretend. I, I just got a media credential. There. What'd you say, Shu? I, I said they don't even let me behind the velvet. I just have a, a media credential. What? So don't you know. they know you're one of the like you're the junior <laughs> godfather of the movement? Tell that to Daryl. You know, <laughs> maybe next year. Nice, nice. Um, Shu, we appreciate it as always. Uh, get rid of that Boston Ebola, whatever you got, man. Get, take some, uh, take some stuff. Get you drink you some emergency or something. And get rid of that stuff. 
right. Starting to feel better already. Talk to you soon, though. Appreciate you. Well, now that we've been enlightened by John Schumann, or not so this week since we guessed so quickly, um, let's move on to some numbers that might work in my favor for once. They did. Yes. Yes, sir. Let's go. Give me some numbers. John, make my day, John Hartzell. Make Coming my off day. a two-in-one week for Seiku and the 0-3 week for GA. <laughs> real... Oh, I had a rough one. Somebody, someone has not recovered from All-Star Weekend. The Sixers beat the Heat. The Pelicans beat the Lakers, and the Blazers beat the Warriors. Did I pick the Blazers to upset? What was I thinking? You're on it. Oh. You both picked the Lakers over Pelicans, which is looking bad now. Yeah. <laughs> well, we didn't know Anthony Davis was going to go nuclear like yeah, this. Exactly. Uh, starting this week, Thursday night, Wolves at Blazers. I'm hospitable. I'm going to let Diego first because I don't like to see anybody, you know. I'm taking the Blazers. Timberwolves are, are in a weird spot right now. No Jimmy Butler for the foreseeable future. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to actually go with GA with this one. Blazers come in with a chip on the shoulder. All right. Then going to Friday night, Raptors at Wizards. Ooh. Man, I'd love to be in D.C. for that game. That's, that yeah, should that be wild. Be a good game. That's playoff atmosphere right there, G.A. I'm going with the Wizards. Yeah. Everybody eats Friday night. I'm going to go with the Raptors because I'm trailing. All right, then staying in the East and staying on Friday night, Pacers at Bucks. Oof. Like playoff preview, Matt. I mean, yeah, these are, uh, yeah, these are good games. I like the Bucks in this game, even though I really love what the Pacers have been doing just overall. The, the transformation. I think that that's one of those games that if you're the Bucks, you got to you got to handle your business in that game. Yeah, I agree. They they should, but I'm gonna go with the, the upstart Pacers. I just think their transition and speed might might end up ruining the day. And I'm gonna pick the the mini upset. Listen, whatever it takes for me to keep my lead. Yeah, I'll say whatever it takes for me to keep the lead. Ga. Um, and and since you have gone in the tank. Since you've been on the road for bragging rights, you are never allowed back in this studio. I w- <laughs> if that's what it takes for me to win bragging rights, GA must do the show from the road until further notice. Um, <laughs> listen, man, enjoy Denver. Um, we know you're going to have a fantastic call in the game. We'll be tuning in, of course. Um, shout out to Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe for joining us this week. Uh, John Schumann, as always, even when he's down and out, uh, under the weather comes through and GA uh, if people haven't heard already make sure tell them to subscribe to hang time on Apple Podcasts for a new episode all season long and don't forget to leave a glowing review thanks for listening to the hang time podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts for a new episode every Thursday this season and as always Say Kuna Matata.